Our Father and our God, we thank you for this new day that you've blessed us with. We thank you that we can come in your name to your house to be hearers of your word. We thank you for the power of your word. Lord Jesus, you said it is more vital and important and critical for us to sustain this life on earth. Um, it's through your word and not through, through food, through bread. Lord, we have experienced and can testify of the power and the sustaining force of your word in, in our lives. We pray that you would speak to us where we're sitting in the quietness of this morning, the peace that you have granted to us for this time to be hearers of your word. We ask that uh, your healing hand, Lord Jesus, and the comfort of your Holy Spirit, our God, be on those that are dealing with loved ones that have served uh, your kingdom for many decades. And it is time for you to call some of your saints home. We pray that, Lord, um, as difficult as it is, we uh, in our hearts could have joy that you are calling our loved ones home unto yourself to enjoy their reward. We pray, Lord, while we remain, that we be diligent for the time that you give us on this earth, as short as it may be. We pray that we would apply it uh, to further your kingdom. We pray all of these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For this morning, I'd like to read out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And those that traveled with me, uh, I ask for your patience as you will hear this yet again. But uh, the Lord, can, uh, his word is living and powerful. And there could be someone in this place that needs to hear the word. So I've been going through uh, the books of Thessalonians 1 and 2 uh, back at home. And so I arrived uh, to this chapter. I still have some of my thoughts here that, that I do want to share. Uh, just to serve some, some background. So Apostle Paul set up this church in Thessalonica. And he had... He had many challenges himself with the persecution that he was enduring. And he was calling out uh, these, these Gentiles, uh, uh, mostly Gentiles, but also Jews, to serve the, uh, the true and living God, to, to believe and place their entire faith in Jesus Christ. And to leave the pagan worship, to leave their old life behind that had no eternal uh, a blessing or goal. It was temporal. It was to serve them in the moment. The true and living God that they would turn to through Jesus Christ would give them so much more purpose and meaning, not only in this lifetime, but for eternity with him in heaven. And so many uh, heeded the call, uh, had the saving faith to believe in Jesus Christ despite every opposing force uh, even within their own families, that went against anything dealing with, with Yahweh, with the true and living God. 
these, uh, this, these two particular books are extensive on the second coming of Christ. Some deep uh, insight on what it's going to look like during the rapture, when the Lord Jesus, uh, with a great trumpet blast, will meet, if we are still alive, might happen in our lifetime, to rapture the church, to call those that know him as as Lord and Savior, uh, and those that have gone before, this transformation of their souls with their, their old bodies, all of us at the same time in the air during the rapture, obtaining these glorified bodies. And we will be with the Lord in white, fine, clean linen. And there's so much more to come with that. And then subsequent to to that, and clearly uh, the, the timing of it, of the great tribulation that will take place, and that is when the Lord Jesus will step foot on this earth. And when that happens, the ground will split. Every eye will see, every knee will bow before him. And when the rapture of the church takes place before, during, after, we can spend hours, I'm sure many of you have... um, perhaps at camp or elsewhere, family gathering, spent many hours discussing, debating, um, sharing thoughts of when that might happen. But the Lord Jesus has not come back yet, not for his church and not for final judgment. These early believers dealt with so much persecution that they thought for sure Uh, the Lord Jesus was coming again and will rescue them from this tribulation. But it didn't didn't take place. It's only been a year after Apostle Paul wrote this, uh, the the first epistle, first letter to uh, the church at Thessalonica. He had to write another letter uh, to clarify some things. So let's just take a a quick recap of of what the timeline is. It's around 51, 53 A.D., during Paul's second missionary journey. Today, Thessalonica is called Salonica. There's 300,000 people um, in terms of population today. Uh, Back in Paul's day, there was a mixture of both Gentiles and Jews, but they were mostly Gentile. These early Christians dealt with some fierce persecution. It was real, it was painful, and it was present. In fact, uh, Nero, uh, at the time, uh, unconscionable persecution to the early believers. One example that I read, he took Christians still alive, dipped them in tar, and lit them as human torches for his garden. We can't even comprehend uh, hearing about that, but knowing as an early believer that persecution uh, in all cases at that time was, was death. 
And Apostle Paul had the challenge of somehow bringing assurance and confidence and peace in their lives in the moment that there is so much more to living for Christ and being ambassadors for the kingdom uh, than what you're seeing. That the reward that uh, is afforded to the saints, unmerited uh, blessing of eternal life, far outweighs the current conditions. And uh, in human terms, it's a tough sell. It's tough to convince people when they're seeing their brothers and sisters lit uh, on fire in the emperor's garden. But they endured. These early believers endured it all. And Apostle Paul, in this particular chapter, identifies the three things that he commends them for. He commends them for their faith, for their exceeding love, and their perseverance through persecution. So what he outlines in this chapter. Apostle Paul also needed to write this second epistle because uh, in our terms, his identity was stolen. And there were letters floating around and being sent, purported to be written by Apostle Paul, which was a farce. That was a lie. He did not author those letters. Uh, they were completely contrary to what he has taught them, what he spoke with them when he was in person. And so we read that if you just glance in uh, chapter 2, verse 2, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us, as the day of, the, uh, as the day of Christ is at hand. So there were lies being uh, promoted that Christ, the rapture already occurred, the great tribulation is now being experienced. Look at all the persecution that's taking place. You guys missed it. Too bad. Apostle Paul comes back and says they didn't miss anything. They will know when that moment happens. So let's take a, um, a look at uh, this particular chapter. I'll read, uh, read all 12 verses. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, under the church of the Thessalonians, and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you, or the love of every one of you, all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that he may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven, with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power? 
when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all of them that believe, because of our testimony among you was believed, in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and to fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Have you thought about the second coming of Christ? Have the, the, the events, the current events of perhaps our, our city, county, state, we can start with a micro perspective to the macro, to, to our nation, to the world. Are the societal events, the trajectory that we are on, in our lifetime, the things that we have seen and experienced in my short 52 years on this earth have been absolutely amazing, and some not so amazing. But the subtle cadence that the world and the world system and the world powers uh, are, are all marching towards is absolutely staggering for me to even consider. I'm starting to piece together in my little mind events that I thought could never take place. How uh, the world's population is, what, 7 billion. How all of us would somehow, the world, with, with all of the clear divergent thoughts and religions that take place will somehow coalesce to worship, to bow down to this Antichrist, regardless of religion. Think about that. Islam, over a billion. The Catholic uh, uh, Church, over a, a billion. All of that will have to be abandoned for the sake of this one cause, this one religion, they will forsake God and cling and show their allegiance to the Antichrist, to the beast. You can continue to read in Second Thessalonians, it'll give you some interesting insight. Clearly, it'll take you to cross-references in Revelation that support one another. They do not contradict each other. They support each other. The great tribulation with the, with the capital T has not taken place yet. The formation of the Antichrist um, could be taking place now, not for certain, but clearly all the prophecies that lead up to the rapture of the church, those prophecies have been completed. And so there is nothing yet that we need to wait for, for Christ to come back to claim 
his church, his bride. I've certainly given a lot of thought of the second coming of of Christ. Um, I'm not going to um, recite all the things that you've probably read in the news, uh, things that may have kept you up at night, things that you never would have thought you would hear in your lifetime, things that you never thought would have passed into law. Even the identity of a human being uh, in which God is the creator, creator of all things and the sustainer of all things, that all of that can be turned on its side. But he's not returned yet. Can it be said of us, this, this letter of accommodation that Apostle Paul writes to these early Christians that are dealing with real persecution, that their faith is outstanding. It continues to flourish and grow. That their love for one another is second to none. And that they're enduring the persecution and tribulation. If you just for a moment glance at verse 10 in chapter 2. One thing that I want to share with you is the, the gospel that is shared, that is made available to everyone. And it's not by accident. It's not by being counted out. It's not because you were born and reared in a third world country, um, or even born here in the States, and uh, without privilege, you did not know Christ, you did not know the gospel message, you didn't know that there was a God. There won't be any excuse. In verse 10 of chapter 2, we read, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish... Why? Why are they perishing? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. This is willful, deliberate, not wanting anything to do with the truth. Knowing that if they love the truth, they would be saved they willfully and ignorantly deny the truth. And we know if you deny Jesus Christ, who is the truth and the way, there is no other way to be saved. There is no other way other than Jesus Christ. Many would convince um, you that, yeah, you know what? God in his immense love, right? We read of God's immense love. He'll be able to fix all of this. In the end, somehow, some way, God in his majesty and, and greatness will just wipe everything clean for all of us. 
We know that's a lie. And those religions that promote that are false teachers. And they've convinced many, many to follow them. In this chapter, it is so clear that it is willful and deliberate to deny the truth, to deny Jesus Christ. And by denying him, you deny the salvation that is afforded to all of us. And within our own mind, we have to reconcile that. We have to reconcile what we hear when we share the gospel and the fact that there is no other way. That is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. None other, and by no other name can we be saved. This exclusivity is always challenged, isn't it? But truth, by definition, is exclusive. So you have to reconcile in your mind, is God being fair? Is he looking... uh, to somehow, in some way, get pleasure, gratitude, or glory through making the way of salvation only through his son, Jesus Christ. The way that I've reconciled it in my mind is that I'm so incredibly thankful each and every day that God made it even possible for me to be reconciled to him. That through his son, Jesus Christ, who took upon himself human flesh, entered our time and space, and was and always, uh, even when he was tested, there wasn't one word that was ill-spoken that came out of his mouth. And on the cross, shed his blood and proclaimed with the last ounce of energy that he had in his body, it is finished. Nothing more needed to be done. He rose victoriously the third day, conquering both sin and death. And he is my Lord and Savior. And I am thankful that he made a way for me to be saved from my sin that condemned me, from the disobedience that I pursued before I knew him as Lord and Savior, when I was the Lord of my own life. Apostle Paul identifies them, the church of Thessalonians. In the Greek, that word uh, means the called out ones. I'm not going to even mention it in, in the Greek. You can Google it and look it up. But it means the called out ones. The church are the called out ones. They are to be a unique, different, distinct for the Lord's work. They are the called out ones. They are not living um, as the rest of society, but precisely to be called out to serve the Lord and to be that light and the salt to the world. Apostle Paul, um, in many of his letters, 
shares these words that we, we might quickly go, uh, glance over them. Grace unto you and peace. So keep in mind, he's writing this letter to both Greek and Jews, and so the salutation is both in Greek and in Hebrew. That grace in Greek is charis, and peace, shalom. So grace and peace, charis and shalom, from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always to you. That is something that I quickly glanced over too. But he's saying that he as an apostle of Jesus Christ is obligated, is obligated, bound to thank God always for you. Apostle Paul, with his conversion and the, the, the personal accusations constantly uh, being uh, diminished in his um, authority uh, in terms of being an apostle, and uh, so from, from the, the early believers to even those in the secular world, always dealt with... Um, being an imposter wasn't true, wasn't genuine. If you have some time to, to read some of these letters or, or listen to it, without hesitation, Apostle Paul offers through prayer thanksgiving, that he is obligated to do that. As a, 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 an apostle, the, the gospel that he shared, he was able to see uh, these church plants with his own eyes. He was able to write letters of encouragement. Today, I would encourage you, the, the, the testimony and the witness that we have may not result in what we would think would be the, the effect of our sharing the gospel. That we, somehow, someone we need to see A to Z, the whole path, the whole continuum being done before our eyes. But we know that's not the case. The Lord will call you in a moment to a person for a word, for a testimony, for an encouragement at that place and that time. And you will not be able to see the rest of that individual's journey. And we've all heard testimonies where they can't remember the person or the place, but someone said something and did something. And I want to encourage you today that as seemingly small as your witness and testimony may be, you have no idea the eternal impact of it. So don't be discouraged that you, have, you don't have the opportunity to see them actually be baptized and serve the Lord. But that sliver of time, take the opportunity. The days are short. The days are short. The Lord Jesus said, the harvest is ready. And where are all the workers? I want to encourage you, step out in faith, show your love. And if there's perceived persecution, someone may not talk to you the same way, may not invite you at the lunch table, may not invite you at the next outing, Whatever it may be, take on that persecution and endure through it. You're not being dipped in tar, lit on fire, and and nailed to, to a tree to light a garden.
though that type of persecution may come. Their faith. We spoke about that this morning. Brother Tim, I, I, I also, huge fan of, of that lesson. It takes me back to, um, to my Sunday school days. Uh, the tenacity and just fearless um, action of that woman. I guess it took faith on the husband also to remain with that wife. I don't know if he slept the same after that event. I, I might have to keep one eye open if um, I, I were the, uh, the husband of, of, of her. But at any rate, without faith, it is impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How did their faith grow? Romans 10, 17 talks about the efficacy and power of God's word to grow our faith. The more we read, the more we hear God's word, its natural effect is to produce more faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Whether you're reading it through an app, listening to it in the car, attending a church service, a Bible study, your prayer time, your reading time, God's word, to the degree that we are reading it and hearing it, our faith will increase. And their faith grew exceedingly. And their love for everyone. How did their love for everyone grow? How do we increase our love for one another? Jesus Christ said a new commandment a new command I give you. And think about that for a moment. What, what new command is Christ giving us? He shared with us that the law hangs on two, two things. The entire law. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But a new command, he said, I give you. In John 13, 34 through 35 that you love one another as I have loved you. So loving one another has been taken to a whole nother level because our love, as Jesus Christ commands, commands us, is to be in the same way that he has loved us. That you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, as I have loved you. By the way you received the love of Christ, it's the same way you are to share it with your loved ones, with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And how much love did Jesus Christ show you? How much love did he extend to you while we were yet sinners in our disobedience and are denying who he was, died for us. He commends them for their faith, for their love, and for their perseverance through tribulation. We get the word tribulation from the Latin word tribulum. Uh, the Romans used this tribulum to separate the grain um, from, from the wheat, so uh, chaff, whatever it was, whatever grain it was, it was a plank of wood, and on the other side of the plank of wood, 
sharp, jagged uh, instruments, metal, whatever they, they used. And that tribulum, as it was on this cart, would go back and forth, back and forth, over the, over the fields, separating the grain. It sounds a little painful for the plant. Could you imagine if that were running on our backs? And there are trials and tribulations that perhaps, in a sense, felt like that. That as difficult as it was, Emotionally, physically, it was as if those sharp, jagged pieces of steel were running on the backs, on our backs. Trials and tribulations are not pleasant. And we read, but rejoice in our suffering. Romans 5, 3 through 6. Rejoice in suffering. And not only this, but we also, and this is uh, from the ESV, but we also celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who he has given to, given to us. It's through the difficult moments that we mature. We have enjoyed some spectacular weather this summer. Yesterday was beautiful. Today, a carbon copy, sunny and 80. We know life is not always sunny and 80. There are real trials and hardships that we have to go through. Many times, it's difficult as they are, we may challenge God. We may question God as to why. Why this trial? Why this tribulation? Why me? What, what, what did I do to deserve this? Teaching Sunday school since I was 15, on and on with the list of the things that we've done, that somehow, some way, there's a balance, and so there shouldn't be as much a tribulation, a difficulty, and hardship in our life. We know when we look back at those dark times, those difficult times in our life, that's when the growth, the maturity, the perseverance took place. So easy for us to look and challenge God to the things that we have to deal with with the ungodly that seemingly have everything. Their lives, by all appearances, every need satisfied, everything you could want. Without the hardship, without the persecution, not, not the difficulties that you're, you're dealing with, not at all. And they don't even acknowledge God. They would not so much pray to him, but acknowledge that he even exists. And they have it all. Why me? There's a psalm that speaks to that, Psalm 73. Asaph looked around and saw the ungodly from his perspective, from his perspective, prospering. Not dealing with the persecution and the trials and hardships that he was dealing with. 
This is what he writes. God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure of heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray. For I envied the arrogant. I I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die and their bodies are well-fed. They are not in trouble like others. They are not afflicted like most people. Therefore, pride is their necklace and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run wild. They mock and they speak maliciously, arrogantly, threatening oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues strut across the earth. Therefore, his people turn to them and drink in their overflowing words. The wicked say, how can God know? Does the Most High know everything? Look at them, the wicked. They are always at ease and they increase their wealth. Did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. If I had decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people. So Asaph knew enough to keep the questioning of the trials and hardships that he was enduring while seemingly from his perspective everyone else had the perfect life. He knew not to say that aloud. To show here reverence to God and to his people. So he kept his mouth shut and he concludes, when I, un- when I tried to understand all of this, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary. Until I entered God's sanctuary, then I understood their destiny. The things of this world that we see hear, smell, can touch, are time-bound, earthly, devilish, have no meaning or purpose in our relationship with God. And all too often we fall into this trap in comparing ourselves to what others have. And when we are with God's people, and we are around God's word, and we think of what he has prepared for us, the things of earth grow strangely dim. And so if the things of earth today for you are not growing strangely dim, but rather extravagant and causing you to pour your heart, focus, and attention on them, I would caution you, that they are time-bound, devilish, and will be vaporized. The things of the Lord are eternal, are heavenly, are pure. And so the perspective and encouragement that Apostle Paul had to these early believers, that the Lord Jesus has that that judgment has not come. He shares yet again what it will look like, what they will experience. He said, I shared this with you when I was with you in person. I'm going to share it again in this letter. God 
will recompense those that willfully deny who he is in their disobedience. He will not wink at evil any longer. Final judgment will be executed by a righteous God. That is in verse 5. God's judgment is righteous. It is righteous. And he will execute that righteous judgment, recompensing tribulation to them that trouble you. And for those of you that are troubled, rest. Rest with us. Find your peace in the Lord Jesus when he will finally be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power? There's an individual that made the, um, the Times uh, front cover, best-selling book, There Is No Hell. It's fabricated. There's no everlasting punishment. It was all made up. This is a difficult verse, incredibly difficult verse. We cannot overlook it. It's in God's word. And it's clear that this punishment, hell, does exist. It was created for the devil, his demons, for everlasting destruction, which means without and in perpetuity forever. And here is what that destruction everlasting destruction will consist of. Anguish and grief, gnashing of teeth, but from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. We see God's glory everywhere. And we cannot deny that he exists because of what he's created, that we can see with our own eyes and experience. Even with the children of Israel and their ups and downs, ebbs and flows of pagan idol worship to pulling down the groves, tearing them all down and, and serving Yahweh back and forth through all of that. He, his presence was still known. This everlasting destruction will be absent the, the presence of the Lord and the glory of his power. Now that is indescribable. Don't refuse to be saved. My friend, do not refuse to be saved. Don't refuse the truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way all caps. He is the way. Do not deny him. There's no other way to be saved.
we can only be saved through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You might marvel at this. I challenge you to think of it differently, that God made a way. He didn't have to make a way. He made a way. God does not delight in the death of a sinner. He does not delight. But hell is not a place where you're going to be exterminated, where you're going to be annihilated, where you're going to be vaporized. It will be experienced. And it will be experienced with the absence of God's presence and his glory and power. This place is prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, he cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. You will hear other doctrines, you will read other things, hear things on social media that would say the complete opposite, universalism, that God's going to just wipe the slate clean. It's all a lie, it's all fabricated to lead you away from the truth. We read from God's word the truth. Don't be deceived by that false doctrine. The end will not be good. There is a hell, and there's everlasting punishment. Don't be shut out from God's presence. You may think you are shutting yourself out from God's presence, but he is everywhere. He's omniscient at this time. Don't deny who he is. It's the worst place that you could imagine. If you could even imagine that place. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. It speaks of the angels and and the saints returning. Um, Coincides with Revelation. We don't have time to run into that. But he concludes this portion of of his letter, our chapter 1, like this. Wherefore, also, we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Not sure if that's what you expected this morning for a service, but it's God's word. We know many tippy-toe around uh, the, uh, the, the notion of heaven and hell. It does not bring a huge draw when that is the title of the service. But I will not be incompetent in, in skipping over chapters or verses that are difficult to share. But at the same time, I have great with you this morning. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, don't harden your heart. Don't willfully ignore in the depth of your heart you knowing that he is God and that he is the only way to be saved. For my brothers and sisters, 
these seemingly insignificant moments, whether with family or friends or co-workers, somehow, some way, interject in the moment a verse, a thought, the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you will not regret it. Short and sweet. You will not have to convert the soul immediately. You will not be on their life's journey as they follow the Lord. But think of you missing out on that moment. And someone else needs to step in and take your place. It's kind of disappointing, isn't it? It's not a good feeling. We've, we've, we've blown it too many times. That's my vernacular. It's not in Scripture. But I'm, just, I'm, I'm pleading with you, if, if you're at all like, like, like me, it just, it's not the time. The place is a little awkward. I'm going to see them again. I work with them. Just do it. Time is short. The Lord Jesus is coming again, and no one will miss it. And we got family and friends that need the Lord. Take the moment to share it while we still have life and breath. The Lord Jesus will add and accomplish his work through us that have no ability of ourselves, but the great power that we have through the Holy Spirit, he can use. May God add his blessing.